Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Oh, I got an active crowd tonight. I like that. I like that. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Um, I bring greetings all the way from Dallas, Texas. Uh, my senior pastor is none other than Bishop T.D. Jakes at the Potter's House, greatest church in the world. Amen. Next to Faith Church, of course. <laughs> um, and uh, I bring greetings all the way from, from Dallas, Texas, uh, land of the Dallas Cowboys who just won a playoff game tonight. Somebody give God some glory. Hey, Sha, I feel the Holy Ghost. And uh, I bring greetings, and I'm excited to be here. Um, I am excited because I believe God has given me something to share with you guys tonight that I believe is going to really set your trajectory for 2019. Are you ready? You have your Bibles? If you have your Bibles, throw your Bibles up. If you've got an old school physical Bible, I'm saying physical book Bible, where are my physical book Bible people? Throw it up. Where are you at? Okay, all of you go on the first load to heaven, okay? <laughs> all of us will have to go behind you um, because people with physical Bibles are saved for real. Come on, somebody. Ain't nothing like the physical Bible. I mean, you got your markups in there. You got your highlights. You got your folded pages. You got all kind of stuff. You got your coffee stains. I mean, it's just nothing like that physical Bible. So uh, maybe God is calling some of you back to the physical Bible in 2019. Come on, somebody. No, I'm just joking. You can still be saved with a digital Bible. Where my digital Bible people at? It's all good. I still love you. It's all good. I got both just depending on what I need. Amen? But uh, I'm excited to be with you guys today. I believe that God has some, uh, some great things in store for this service. We had fun this morning. Who was here this morning? Let me see. Let me wave your hands if you were here this morning. All right, great, great. Uh, put your hands down. If you were not here this morning, it's your first time seeing me. You say, who's this big black man with these colorful shoes on the stage? If that's you, wave at me real quick. Let me see who you are. Oh, we about to have some fun up in here. That's beautiful. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, I am, a, I am married. I've, I've been married 17 wonderful years. My wonderful wife, Crystal, and my children, Jalen, Jaden, and David. I'm not sure if you guys still have those graphics from this morning. But if you could show my beautiful family on the screen. Yes, there they are. Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> my family is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. I love them so much. I already miss them. I've only been gone two days. It feels like two weeks because we love to spend time together. Y'all pray for me. I've got 22 more days in Australia uh, to preach the gospel here all around this great nation. I want you guys to lift me in prayer as I'm away from my family, and uh, we, we would appreciate that. We have taken a huge, bold step of faith, and we've stepped out on faith. I, I was on staff at the Potter's House for five amazing years as the young adult pastor and e-church pastor, and God has recently challenged us as of January 2019. This is my very first speaking engagement as a full-time itinerant evangelist. So this is sermon number two. Come on, somebody. Y'all getting first fruits. Somebody say, we getting the first fruits. We getting the first fruits. All right, let's get into the word real quick. If you can, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 50. Since it's the beginning of the year, we're going to go to the beginning of the book. How about that? Genesis chapter 50. There you will find a story about a man named Joseph. I feel you in the room. Um... Joseph, 
I see you in this place, Joseph. You've been through a process in 2019. Mm -hmm. I see you, Joseph. I, I see you've gone through learning your purpose and you've, you've been pushed into a pit only to get pulled out and pushed into Potiphar's house, only to be falsely accused and put in prison. But touch somebody next to you and say, you're on your way to purpose. The palace is next. Oh, see, you didn't say it. You didn't say it right. See, you got to be obedient to the man of God when he tells you to do something. If you expect breakthrough to happen in your life, you've got to be able to be obedient. Touch somebody next to you and say, hey, you. Purpose is on the other side of this pain. Now lose your mind like you believe it. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's jump into this story about Joseph now. You guys have probably read the story of Joseph. If you, if you want to, you can pick up the entirety of this story if you start at Genesis chapter 37 and just make your way all the way up to the point to where we are now. We are talking about Joseph, and he is in the end. He's the twilight of his life. He has done everything that God has called him to do, and uh, this is a moment for Joseph and his brothers that we're going to lean into here in Genesis chapter 50, verse number 15, and I believe God has a few things to say to us. Can we do that? Joseph chapter 50, chapter 50, verse 15, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of the servant, the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Verse 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. My Lord, have mercy. It takes a mature person to be able to say that although I went through some pain, although I was falsely imprisoned, although I went through a pit experience, I understand that all those things were happening for my good. I understand what Romans says, that, 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 that it doesn't matter, that, that these things are working together for my good. Amen, somebody? You got to be a mature person to be able to look in the face of defeat and say that this defeat is working for my gain. This defeat feet, this, this, this 2018 that I experienced, all the heartache, the pain, the shame, the failures, the things that I did not get to accomplish, all that stuff's going to work for my good in 2019. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, he says, he says, I'm in the place of God. Verse 20, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for my good in order to bring all this about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. If I could just add some New Testament to this Old Testament scripture, just some confirmation here, here, there, a little bit, everything just to bring confirmation. I'm just going to read Matthew chapter 6. Um, Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 and it says for if ye forgive men of their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you forgive not men their trespasses neither will your father 
forgive your trespasses. I want to talk to you from this bully pulpit for the next few minutes because I feel like I need to provoke somebody tonight. I want to talk to you from the subject, the pursuit of forgiveness. We're going to start this year off right with a clean heart, with a clear spirit, and an absolutely pristine conscience. Because I believe God wants to do something in this generation. God wants to do something in this land, but he cannot do it with people who harbor unforgiveness in their hearts. Can we pray as we get ready to start in this word? Father, we thank you so much for what you're about to do in this room. Stand up big in me tonight. Father, I pray like John the Baptist prayed. I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase in this moment. Father, I pray that your words would bring life, they would bring spirit, they would bring conviction, they would bring, they would bring everything that is needed in this new season, this new year that we find ourselves into. Father, we're tired of going around the same mountain over and over and over again. Father, we're, we're in a desert experience right now, and we should be past this moment. Father, I pray that you would stand up big in this word right now and help us to highlight the things that are keeping us from moving forward. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of the Holy Ghost would show up tonight, Father God, and help us pass the things that we need to get past in order to see your will come to pass in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. Thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing. Amen. Hey, if you guys are on social media, do me a favor. I would love some Australians to connect with on social media. So if you are on the gram, I would love for you guys to follow me on the gram. And if you're following me on the gram, I would love for you guys to post anything from tonight. And I promise I will repost that thing inside of my Insta story. If you tag me on it, I will repost you. So make sure you hook that up. I'd love to connect with some Australians from down under. It makes me feel real cool as a Texan to have some Australians friends. Amen. Now we got that out the way. Joseph is a bad dude. Joseph, me and Joseph are going to be so close when I get to heaven that we are going to know each other on nickname basis. I'm going to call him Jojo. He going to call me Big O. <laughs> because Joseph is is so unbelievably parallel to my life. You got to understand, Joseph was young and he learned purpose, but as soon as he learned his purpose, the enemy pushed him into a pit to try and rob him of his purpose. He stripped him of his coat that his father gave him that represented favor, that represented the one that God had chosen to lead the, the nation, the one that God had chosen to be large and in charge. But, but the enemy and his brothers stripped him of that coat and they pushed him into a pit. And they thought that pushing him into the pit would circumvent the purpose of God that was on his life. But one thing you got to understand that when you are pushed into a pit, the greatest part about being in a pit is the only place that you can look for help is up. Yeah. Bible says, I look unto the hills from what cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. And Joseph found himself in a pit where he could do nothing but look up. And this was a significant moment for Joseph because all of Joseph's life he had depended on the covering of his parents and the covering of his mother and the covering of his dad. And I just really feel like somebody in this room, it's time to grow up, it's time for you to mature. And God is trying to get your attention and help you understand that yes, you used to be covered this way and I used to have you that way, but there is something sweet about understanding the covering and the protection of the almighty God. 
There is something that happens when we put our trust in him. The Bible says that when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. So Joseph had a moment where his mama wouldn't come to his rescue. His daddy was nowhere to be found. He only could look up to heaven and call on the Lord. And that was the only place where God began to teach him this type of relationship and not just this type of relationship. See, some of you have been stuck on this kind of relationship only. Flesh and blood sometimes will fail you, but let me tell you something. In 2019, some of you are going to have to advance in your relationship, and you're going to have to learn how to do this vertical thing more, and you're going to have to learn how to call on the name of the Lord, and you're going to have to learn how to call on God when you're in that job, in that workplace, when you're on that college campus, when you're at that school. You're going to have to learn how to call on the Lord. He'll always be there. He'll always be there to catch you when you fall. And Joseph found himself in a situation, and he was going through all types of stuff. I mean, he climbed out of the pit. He thought that was the worst part, but it was only the beginning of what was bad. He was sold into slavery, into a land that he knew not of. He was sent to Egypt. He's an Israelite. His daddy is an Israelite who serves Jehovah God. He understands who the real God is. They don't have many gods. They have one God, and they worship the true and living God all of his life. And now he's sent to Egypt, a land of foreigners where he did not understand their ways. He did not understand their culture. He did not understand the gods that they worshipped. He did not understand all the false ideology and religions. He was sent into a land where he knew not of. He was sent to a place that he did not understand or comprehend, and he was forced to learn a way that he did not know, and now he's being forced to be a servant in someone else's house, and now he's going through all of this pain and this tribulation, and he's constantly thinking about his brothers who left him and who left him for dead in the pit and now he's got to deal with the agony of understanding and thinking about that and only to finally do a good enough job to be trusted with everything in Potiphar's house and then Potiphar's hoochie hussy wife. <laughs> Potiphar's hoochie hussy. Hey, Jojo. Mm. How you doing, Jojo? Jojo, you... You show are cute, Jojo. <laughs> hey, boo. I'm so parched. Can you give me something to drink? Like, I'm so hot. Can you give me something? Ooh, let me see. Jojo, your arm's so strong. Oh, my goodness gracious, Jojo. You are so gorgeous. My Lord, have mercy. They make everybody like you. Where you from, Jojo? <laughs> I don't see nothing like you around here. Woo. The Bible says that she constantly tried to pull Joseph out of place. She tried to pull him into lust. She tried to pull him into her wings, into her arms. And the Bible says that he refused. He refused. He refused. He fought her off into the point to where he ran out of his coat and he was falsely accused. And now because the hoochie hussy didn't win, she had to take him down. And now he's being falsely imprisoned and accused of something that he didn't do. Only when things started to look like they were going good and everything that he has in his mind is that his brothers are the cause of this whole situation and he would not be where he is if his brothers had not pushed him in a pit and I'm here tonight to help us understand something that we're all having to deal with that Joseph had to deal with in this situation kind of reminds me of what I'm dealing with in my house right now. Uh, I need prayer. No, I'm, I'm seriously, I need your prayers, because uh, I have three children, and they're, they're 16, 15, and 7, okay? 
The seven-year-old often thinks that he is old as the 15 and the 16-year-old, 14 and 16-year-old, okay? And he's constantly at it with these other two. I mean, it is constantly something. There's always some kind of fight going on. There's always something that they're fussing about. I mean, it is like World War III during the breaks. You love breaks? I don't like breaks at all. No, send them to school. They need to be somewhere where they can be civil and away from each other so they won't kill each other. Somebody say amen. Uh, I got, any, I got any siblings in the room? You got brothers, sisters, anybody wave at me? You got brothers, sisters? Okay. How many of you are the oldest? Uh-huh. Oldest are considered the guinea pigs. <laughs> we tried stuff on you. Like, let's just see if this works. Oh, that medicine didn't work. We won't try that again. He's throwing up everywhere. Where are my middle children at? Where are the middles? The middles? God bless you, middles. See, because you're the peacemakers. You're the one that had to kind of balance between everybody, and you're the one that kind of held everything together at times, and then you didn't get a chance to just be yourself because you always had to be so responsible. Like, it wasn't fair. You got a few more things than your older sibling got, but it still wasn't quite enough to make you feel significant enough. I just, I just need a date in myself, okay? We're the babies, babies. Y'all get on my nerves. <laughs> Spoil rotten. Get everything you want. I mean, you get two pair of shoes when I only got one when I was your age. You get all the new Marvel and Comic Comic-Con toys and movies. You get to see everything when it comes out the first week. Not fair. See, and 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 you got this sibling rivalry going on in the house. My house is constantly bombarded with sibling rival rivalry and 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 I'm constantly I I feel like I feel like a referee. I feel like I'm constantly pushing someone to their corner, constantly telling someone to back up and stop fighting. I was on FaceTime, I kid y'all now, I was on FaceTime, y'all, and they fighting each other on FaceTime while I'm in Australia. They have no sympathy for daddy at all. They just gonna fight. They don't care what's going on. They're gonna fuss and fight. They go at it, okay? The hardest thing to do is not to get them to stop fighting. The hardest thing to do is to get them to say two words that none of us like to say. We pull them together because they can't stay mad at each other forever. And what do we tell our kids to say to each other? All of the siblings in the room know exactly what words I'm talking about. It is, I'm... You see how hard that was for you to say that? <laughs> I'm sorry may be one of the hardest things all of us to say, not just in sibling rivalry, but in real life situations as well. Joseph has found himself in a situation where he has fulfilled the purpose and the promise that God has told him that he was going to fulfill. Every dream that God had given Joseph, he had finally walked it out. Everything that God had spoken to him prophetically, he had finally fulfilled his destiny. And now Joseph is large and in charge. He is second in command in Egypt, and all of Egypt. He is over the gross national product of Egypt and he is responsible and he is the man. No one is greater in Egypt except 
Pharaoh himself. He is second in command, and his brothers have finally come, and he has taken care of his family all the way up to the point to where their father passes away and dies, and now they all panic. The brothers panic. The brothers lose their minds because they fear that Joseph has only been nice to them because of the presence of their father. So now... This is the opportunity for Joseph to be able to really show that he is truly moving past his unforgiven ways with his brothers and the unthinkable happens in this situation. And I think there's some great things that happen along the way that help Joseph to be able to, to get to a place where he could say, I'm sorry and forgive his brothers for what they did. And I want to help you through the process of understanding and being able to see whether or not you may have an unforgiveness issue in your life or something that's going on that may have followed you into 2019 that may need to fall off of you and in 2019 as you step into this new year I don't want you to carry any more baggage of unforgiveness hatred anger bitterness all of that stuff I want that stuff off of you before the end of this message so I want to give you some points that will help you to be able to highlight and identify whether or not you have an issue with unforgiveness or how to move past it are we ready so this is what I want you to do the first thing, if you're taking notes, the first thing that you have to do if you're going to move towards pursuing forgiveness is you got to see yourself, okay? Somebody say, see yourself. Seeing yourself may be the hardest part of this whole entire evening. Uh, I'm a big dude, if you haven't noticed. I like to eat. I've never met a plate that I didn't like. Uh, I haven't met a dish that I couldn't finish. Glory to God. I have an anointing to eat. Oh, taste and see that the food is good. Yes, I love food. I'm a food connoisseur. I love all types of, I like to try new stuff. I like all kinds of stuff. I, I like real food. I like to cook food. I'm an actual pretty good cook. If you follow me on Instagram, you will see that I actually like to cook every so often as well. I love real cooking. I'm not talking about microwaves. I'm not talking about no stuff like that. I'm talking crock pots. <laughs> Do you know what crock pots are in Australia? Crock-pots are an absolute amazing creation where you can throw in some onions, some bell peppers, some garlic, some parsley flakes, some seasoning salts, drop a package of chicken in before you go to church. Come back home after church is over with after it's been simmering in the crock pot for hours and that thing will be warm and hot to the bone. You can pull the chicken out of the crock pot and dig that thing out and eat it and you can set it there for 30 minutes on the table and it will still be hot to the bone. That's not what happens when you cook in the microwave. <laughs> microwave is cold in five minutes. You, you push the fork through it. It's still frosty in the middle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love food. And let me tell you, I've been on this journey. I'm getting up at 5 a.m. three days a week to work out. And I've been, I've been doing these journey. I, was, I worked out for six months. Been working out for six months. <laughs> we walk like I've been working out. Let me see. Let me try this. I've been, I've been working out for six months, and 
getting up at 5 a.m. and I've been after it. I've been doing my thing. I'm, 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 I'm chasing it. I'm doing my thing. And, 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 and my wife, you know, I started bragging to my wife a little bit. I was like, girl, you know I've been in the gym, right, girl? You know, you know I've been in the gym, right, girl? I've been in the, I've been in the g- g- gym. <laughs> she said, well, yeah, baby, you look good. I'm like, yeah, girl, watch out now. Stomach going down a little bit. Watch out now. My baby is leaving. I don't look six months pregnant anymore. I look three months. Glory to God. So she was like, how much weight do you think you've lost? I don't know, girl, but I didn't lost some weight. I said, let's get the scale and see. So we grab the dreaded square machine, throw the machine out, and I step on the machine, pastor, and the machine says, after six weeks, this is six weeks in, I've only lost two pounds. Do you understand how frustrated, agitated, and angry I was as I looked at this lying? Something's wrong with it. It's wrong. We need to buy a new one. Let's go on Amazon, see if we can get Amazon Prime to deliver us a new one tomorrow. Because this machine is lying to me. There's no way. I've only lost two pounds. The devil is a liar. No weapon formed against me. I'm the head and not the tail. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. I start quoting scriptures, it didn't change the fact that that scale still said that I had only lost two pounds. And my brothers and my sisters, there is a scale that lives inside of you called the Holy Spirit. It lives inside of all of us as believers, and it lives inside of us to tell us where we really are in certain situations. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will, do, will tell you stuff about you that you don't want to know about you. The Holy Spirit will highlight and show you individuals that you need to go and find and show yourself to and say what you need to say so that you can be right. The Holy Spirit will nag you and wake you up at night and force you to do what it tells you to do. The Holy Spirit will drag you out of your bed onto your knees until you say yes to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will shake you and mess your whole day up until you bow to what it's trying to tell you to do. And when you're trying to pursue forgiveness, the greatest thing that you need to see is yourself. If you cannot see that you have an issue with forgiveness, you will never move forward in the area of forgiveness. So you know what I want to do? I'm an extremely pragmatic pastor. I believe in being extremely practical. And I want all of us to take a moment right now, and I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit a question because he's alive and he lives inside of us. He lives here on the earth. He's the only part of the Godhead that actually exists here on the earth right now. And he's in this room. I want you to take a moment before we go to these next few points, and I want you to ask yourself, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit a question. Holy Spirit, is there anything inside of me that is unresolved in the area of unforgiveness? I want you to take 10 seconds and ask yourself that. Ask yourself that and ask the Holy Spirit to identify anything inside of you as we go forward in this message that you may need to resolve someone you may need to ask for forgiveness, someone you may need to forgive. 
someone you've been hanging on to anger, resentment, frustration, someone that did you wrong as a kid, someone that said something to you that was wrong. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Amen. Let's move forward. The second thing that you're going to have to do once you see yourself is you're going to have to humble yourself. Somebody say humble yourself. The Bible says it's better for you to humble yourself than God. Okay? Uh, it's better for us to see ourselves and bring ourselves low when we see what's going on inside of us or when we identify some area inside of us where forgiveness needs to be resolved. Because one of the hardest things for us to do is once we see ourselves is to continue to work on ourselves. So it takes a, it takes a spirit of humility to continue to move towards forgiveness because forgiveness is a pursuit. It's something that you continue to move towards. It's something that you continue to have to do over and over again in your mind and in your spirit. You have to remind yourself that I've moved past that, that I've forgiven that person. I've given that person the forgiveness that they need. And you have to continue to remind yourself, but you have to keep yourself humble that you don't lift yourself up and say stuff like this. You ready? They deserve what they got. They don't deserve me to give them anything because I hope they get what's coming to them. I, I, I hope, I hope that they never feel good about what happened because they were wrong for what they did. See, that's not humbling yourself. Humbling yourself means that you consider yourself in the situation. And you have to be very careful that you don't move forward in an area of unforgiveness by not allowing yourself to humble not allowing yourself to be humble enough to be able to receive the help, the correction, and move forward with a plan of process to move past unforgiveness. Somebody say amen. It's real quiet in this sanctified church. It's all right. When it gets quiet, it gets good. Amen? Number three, you ready? After you see yourself, after you humble yourself, the third thing that you need to do to pursue forgiveness is you have to lose yourself. I love Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew what he came to do when he came to the earth. He was born to die. He was born to come and die for all of humanity. But Jesus had a moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where he fell to his knees, and the Bible says that he sweat drops of blood. And as he began to sweat drops of blood, he asked God a question, and he says, is there any way that we can do something different? Because I don't like none of these people no more. They don't even believe that you sent me here. Okay, that's the NIV version. That's the Negro International version. The Bible doesn't actually say that. This is just like my paraphrase about what really happened. Okay, so, so no, what, what he said was, is there any way that this cup can pass from me? Can we do this some other way? Do I really have to die for all of these people? Can we do this some other way? And then the Bible says this. The Bible says that he loses himself. He, he reminds himself that it's not about his will. It's not about what he wants. It's not about what he desires. It's not about what he thinks. It's not about even what he values. It is about what God has said about the matter. So he says, uh, is there any way that this cup can pass? And then his next words are, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. 
See, we've got to get to a place where we can say, nevertheless, not my will, not what I want to happen to the person because what they did to me, but your will be done. Maybe God's will is for them to be saved. Maybe God's will is for them to get forgiven for what they did so that they can move forward and the plan and the purpose that God has created them for. Just maybe God wants to redeem them. Just maybe God wants to set them free. Just maybe God has something that he wants to do in this earth through them despite what they have done wrong just maybe just maybe your will is not greater than God's will and we have to all take moments where we lose ourselves and we quiet our flesh see because that flesh loves to talk that flesh loves to tell you to come up off that cross and take yourself down and handle the situation like you know you should oh oh you know how to take care of that oh she talking back she got something to say oh oh okay all right. Oh, I know what to do. Oh, oh you talking? You got to be careful that you don't let your will be done over the will of God. Nevertheless, it's not our will, but it is his will be done. Somebody say his will be done. Yeah, after you lose yourself, number four, you got to recall yourself. You got to recall yourself. Uh, media team, I sent you guys an uh, uh, email. Did you get that last email that I sent you guys, Projector? I sent you a, just an image. I said, save this for the end. I hope you guys got it. If you didn't, it's okay. Don't show it just yet. Oh. <laughs> Nevertheless, not my will. But the will of the media team be done. <laughs> no, you guys are fine. You guys are awesome. I was a bad kid. I'll admit it. You don't have to go and look up, do any research. I was bad. I was bad for a reason, though. My mom was a drug, drug addict and a prostitute for most of my childhood. I went to 16 different elementary schools, six different middle schools, and three different high schools. I never had a stable childhood, never had a stable place to stay. I didn't know what I would eat from day to day. My mother was very, very unstable. Therefore, my life was very, very unstable as a kid. And when my mom got out of prison, uh, she got saved in prison hearing Bishop T.D. Jakes preach via satellite. She heard the word of God in prison, and she gave her life to Jesus. When she gave her life to Jesus, she got out of prison. She drugged me to the church. My, I tell people all the time, I started with a drug mom. I ended with a drug mom. My mom drugged me by my left ear to go hear Bishop Jakes preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in Dallas, Texas, and something in that church ended up leading me to serve Jesus too. Amen. But right before I said yes to Jesus, I mean right before I said yes to Jesus, things got really bad. I was in a class, and I had a tendency to be a class clown. So um, I had an old teacher named Dr. Parks. He was a biology teacher. Dr. Parks had fish tanks lined up all around the room. But they were empty. They didn't have water in them. I don't know if our school couldn't afford to put water in the tanks. But I felt like it was a setup. They set me up. They wanted me to touch something in these fish tanks, okay? I didn't want to, but it was just calling my name. It was Ontario. Come touch us. Something in here you would like to feel. I reach in the, 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 the tank and, you know, the little pebbles that are at the bottom of a fish tank. I started throwing the pebbles at different people in the classroom, you know, and like, 
wasn't me. So that got boring, so I started throwing them towards the teacher. <laughs> Little bitty pebbles, no, no big deal. Till this one day, I grabbed a pebble that was maybe just a little larger than usual. And people weren't laughing anymore because they got tired of me throwing the pebbles. And I threw the big pebble. And the big pebble actually hit Dr. Parks in his glasses. He had these Coke bottle thick glasses. And uh, it broke. And a piece of the glasses actually shattered into his eye. Okay. I got suspended from school. And I got a citation from the authorities that had a court date attached to it. In between the time I threw this rock and hit Dr. Parks in the eye, I go into the summer break where I get saved and give my life to Jesus in the summer of 1999. When I come back from summer break, I have to go to, I have to, go to, to, uh, to court to answer for what I had done. If I could get someone come up on keys, that would be great. And what I did was, <clears throat> I had to go and stand before a judge for what I had done wrong because this is what happens when you break a law and you do something criminal like I did. I didn't mean to hurt the man, but I did. I scratched his cornea in his eye from what it fell into his eye from what I broke in his glasses. And he showed up to the court date to make sure that justice would be served at its complete degree. My aunt went with me, my religious aunt, my spiritual aunt, because my mom couldn't take off work because she was an ex-convict, and if she were to take off any day, she could lose her job. So my aunt goes to the, to the, the jail with me, I mean, to the, to, to the courthouse with me, and we're standing before the court, and we're standing before the judge, and my aunt pleads my case. She says, please, judge, please, don't imprison this young man. Don't give this young man a record. He just got his life together. He just gave his life to Jesus. He's finally getting his life together. His mother was a drug addict and a prostitute. He's a product of his environment. He didn't mean to do this. I promise you, this kid has changed. He's rearranged. God is doing something amazing in this young man's life. She didn't know whether the judge was religious, was whether he was a Christian or believer, but she took a chance. And when she was talking to the judge, the judge summons me to the counter and I come up and the judge looks me in the face. He says, are you remorseful for what you've done? I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt the man. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. What do I need to do? And he looks at me and he says, I remember your mother and I remember sentencing your mother to prison. And the last thing I want to do is to see you in prison too. But if you ever do anything like this again, and you come into my courtroom, I will put you in jail. I'm going to let you off this time with a warning. And I'm not going to give you a criminal record for what you've done. I'm going to give you, I'm going to free you from the crime that you've committed. And I'm going to let you walk. But I don't want to see you again. So God stepped into this situation and allowed me to experience something that I didn't deserve. Fast forward, okay? I'm saved now. I get married. I've got a wife. I'm about to have my second child. I have my second child, and my phone rings. It's a man claiming to be my father. He says his name is Fred. 
I have never met my father. I'm 21 years old. I've lived without my father. As a matter of fact, I'm a little upset with whoever my father might be because I'm upset and angry and wondering why he didn't show up when I had to go to 16 different elementary schools, six different middle schools, and three different high schools. How come you didn't help out? How come you didn't send anything? You mean to tell me the times we had to beg for food at these fast food places? You were actually here and around and you could have done something and you did nothing? You want to meet with me? Sure, let's meet. Where do I go? So he tells me where he is. It's a 30-minute drive, and I'm fuming. I'm hot. I can't wait to see him so I can tell him everything I've went through because he was not there to help me. And I couldn't wait to show him how much of a man I had become without him and without his help. And the Holy Spirit starts dealing with me. See yourself. Holy Spirit says, be quiet, Ontario. I said, no, no, no. He deserves to hear what I have to say. He says, no, no, be quiet, Ontario. I want you to go there, and I just want you to be quiet. And I get there where my father is. He looks just like me. He moves. He, his body features are just like mine. And he says he wants to fix my car. This is the whole reason I come over to his house, so he can fix my brakes. And he gets underneath my car. He starts fixing my brakes. And I kid you not, I wanted to kick the jack over and let the... I'm serious, and let the pressure of that car fall on his chest so he can feel some kind of pain from what I felt as a kid not having my father around. I remember every football game. I remember every situation that he could have rescued me from, and I just wanted him, I just wanted him to feel some kind of pain for what he had done to my life. I didn't kick the jack over because the Holy Spirit kept pulling me back. And while he was underneath my car, he begins to talk. He says, Ontario, for the last 14 years, I've been living with HIV. I'm a drunk. I get high every day, and I'm trying to fix my life. I'm a part of a program that's given me some kind of fund to where when I pass away, I'm going to get a certain amount of money, and I just want you to know I'm going to give you that money. He's hiding his face underneath my car because he could not look me in the face and tell me why he couldn't be there in my childhood. The truth was is that he was in a worse position than me and my mother were in, and he had been in and out of prison. And when he comes off from underneath the car, I got a decision to make. And here's the point that I just gave you. I had to recall what happened while I was in, while I was in front of the judge. The judge gave me forgiveness that I did not deserve. He let me off for something that I should have went to jail for, that I should have had some type of some type of actions for. I should have served and something should have I should have had a record. I shouldn't have ever been a pastor because I should have had an assault charge on my record. I should something should have happened to me. But because the judge forgave me, instantly in that moment I recalled the grace that the judge showed me and I remembered the grace of Jesus and how he saved me, how he pulled me out, how despite everything I had done wrong, how despite how I had lived my life, Jesus still wants something to do with me. And I looked the man in the face that I'd never met, who I still didn't have a bunch of questions answered for, and I said to him as he got up and stood up with his hands oily and his face ashamed, and I said, you don't have to ask, you don't have to say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. 
for not being there. I forgive you for not being in my life. And I'm willing to move forward and let bygones be bygones. And I'm just willing to do whatever it takes so that we can know each other. Fast forward. Three years later, I'm in full-time ministry. I live in upstate New York. I get a phone call from my father because I left the communication open. He had been shot in the stomach, point-blank range with a 38 pistol, and he says that the doctor says that the bullet went in and it came out. The bullet did a U-turn. It was like it bounced off of a bone in his back and it turned around and came out, and there was no organ damage at all. Shot point-blank in a stomach with a gun, and he's going to leave the next day. He says... I know this is it. This ain't nothing but God. This ain't nothing but God. I know you've been praying for me. I, I just want to tell you, thank you for praying for me. And you know, I'm going to church this Sunday. I'm going to church. I'm going to go to church. As soon as I get out, I'm going to church. Get my life together. I'm going to get my life together. And because I recalled what the judge had done for me, showed my father grace, this moment was created where I was able to tell my father, you don't have to wait till Sunday to get your life right with God. And right there, while he was sitting in his hospital bed, recovering from a bullet wound in the stomach, grateful and understanding that God had shown him grace, I led my father to Christ on the phone while I was in New York, and he was in Dallas. Put the picture up now. My dad actually came to hear me preach at the potter's house. He came and he showed up and he sat in the service where I was preaching to young adults. And that night I preached a message about forgiveness and he came up to the altar and he asked me for forgiveness and he threw his arms around me and I prayed for him and we had a moment. And I'm gonna tell you something, I may have spent 21 years not knowing my father here on earth, but let me tell you something, we will spend eternity in heaven because he has been redeemed, he has been forgiven, he has been set free. All because I didn't let unforgiveness hang in my heart and stay in my mind and live in my spirit towards a man who did not deserve forgiveness, but because of what Jesus had done for me, because of his forgiveness, because his word says that if I don't forgive, he won't forgive me, I knew that I had to make a move towards forgiveness. Everyone stand to your feet. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.